You're listening to Make Money Behave, and I, before I get into the intro, I just wanted to apologize ahead of time for the terrible quality of today's episode. There is some quirky thing going on with my microphone, and I don't know it until after I play it back. So please just bear with me and uh, have a listen anyway. I appreciate your patience. Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Make Money Behave. I am your host, Maria Casillas, and I'm excited to be back with you today. Before I get started on today's topic of insurance, I just wanted to let you know that I'm part of a little challenge going on right now. And it's actually a pretty simple challenge. And I think it's actually very, very possible. Just it's not possible without your help. So if I could ask for your help, I'd really appreciate it. This is something I've been saying on just about every episode, and so it's nothing really new for you, but in case you're just tuning in for the first time, I've been challenged to double the amount of star ratings and reviews that I have currently in iTunes, and I've been challenged to do that by the end of this month, so by the end of May. Like I said, I think this is totally doable. Right now, there are 14 five-star ratings and about six reviews. So I just need to see about 28 and 12 as minimum numbers if I'm going to meet this challenge. So if you are an iTunes user and you have the ability to leave a, a rating or a review, could you just hit pause for me real quick and go do that so that you don't forget? That's it. That's the last time I'll ask you on this episode. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for doing that. All right. So Let's get started into this typically boring topic of insurance. Now, insurance seems to be kind of like a necessary evil. Like we don't really want it. We don't want to pay for it, but we kind of need it. And it's really just to mitigate risk for us. So today I'm going to focus a little bit on just the health insurance piece of this. And I want to preface this whole thing by saying I am not an expert at this. Okay. I don't sell insurance. I don't affiliate myself with any particular insurance provider or anything like that. I just, I want to teach you like health insurance for the rest of us. The other thing I want to let you know is that much of what I know about what I'm going to teach you today is stuff that I learned before the whole Affordable Care Act kind of went into place and then got taken back. And I don't I don't really know all that. We're not going to get into all of those things. Um, we're just going to get into some of the terms and definitions, the things that I want to make sure that you understand if you're looking at a policy. And then also a little bit about the mindset that I want you to just kind of be aware of when you are choosing different um, from different options. But first, let me tell you a story about why I needed to figure all this out in the first place. So yesterday, I talked a little bit about my husband getting laid off and then having to take a job that paid him less money than what he was making before. Plus, they were not able to offer any sort of health insurance at the time. So there was no way we were going to be able to afford the COBRA that was offered to us from his previous employer. And as I mentioned yesterday, once he got a job, we were no longer eligible for any sort of state provided um, health care. And so we needed to figure out another option. And that got me kind of looking for some privatized options out there. And the truth is a lot of the privatized options, at least back then, 
were like significantly higher in deductibles than a lot of the ones that you'd get from your employers. So I had to learn a lot about risk and mindset and just kind of figure out like what like big picture stuff. And that's really great because that's what I like to teach people is, you know, I want if something feels super overwhelming and you're not quite sure what to do, my first line of attack is take a deep breath take a step back and look at the bigger picture. And that's what I was forced to do with my daughter. So we ended up getting this insurance plan that was a $10,000 deductible and it did not cover any maternity services. So we really had to understand how this worked and who we could go see and, and a whole lot of stuff when I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. The way that our insurance worked at the time was that it didn't inc include any maternity things unless there was a complication of pregnancy. So when my daughter was born two months prematurely and needed to be in the NICU for a month, that was what constituted as a complication. And then because of that, our insurance was able to kick in. And so it was just really important that I understood how all that worked. Otherwise, we could have lost out on a couple thousand dollars. But the reason I'm telling you this piece is because I want you to know that when the nurses and the doctors or the social workers, whoever it was that came and talked to us, um, they said, you know, we're really sorry, but we need to inform you that you have a $10,000 deductible. And I said, I know that we do, and I have the money for that. And they uh, were actually quite surprised that I knew that. Um, they also then came to me and told me that I had uh, a $10,000 deductible for me and one for my daughter. And I was able to tell them that that was mistaken, that it was a one-time $10,000 deductible for my family. And she didn't believe me until she went back and researched it and came back and had to apologize because she didn't understand it. At that point, she said, I'm really impressed with how well you understand your insurance company. I, I don't typically see that with patients. So today, that's one of my missions is to just help arm you with a little bit of information. And here's the deal, guys. I don't know all the information and the things just keep changing over and over. So I'm not going to teach you all of the information. What instead I want to do is teach you how to find the right information and then how to navigate through that as you are choosing the different plans that are available to you. So I'm just going to give you a couple of vocabulary words, if you will, and just kind of tell you what they are referring to. So you might know all of this and some of it might be completely new to you. If you know all of this already, but you know someone else who could really use some of this information in real people terms, feel free to pass this episode along to them because I know that this is something that really kind of trips people up and confuses them on a regular basis. So a couple of the terms that I want to just make sure that I talk to you about today are deductible, out-of-pocket maximum, copay, HSA, and FSA. Before I jump into the actual definitions or explanations of those though, I want to just remind you that the whole purpose of having insurance is to mitigate risk. So it's to reduce your risk of having to pay, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars should a catastrophe happen. And that is going to be important when we talk about the mindset and not letting fear get in the way of making an actually logical decision. Okay, here we go. 
just remember, don't sue me, okay? Like, this is not legal advice. It's just, I'm not telling you what kind of a plan to get. Just trying to help you navigate through the process. Okay, so a deductible is usually the thing, like the amount of money that you have to pay before your plan kicks in. It seems these days that there are a lot of plans that don't kick in until like at least $2,500. Some of them are $5,000 and there are many out there that are a $10,000 or even higher deductible. That number usually scares a lot of people. The key here though is that the higher the deductible, typically the lower the premium. I guess premium is another word that I want to share with you as well. The premium is how much you have to pay in order to have this particular plan. The premium does not count towards deductibles. You're going to pay this premium whether you get sick or not. There are some employers out there who will help pay a portion of a premium for you. Some of them cover the entire premium and some of them just carry the insurance as a courtesy almost, but you have to pay the entire premium. Whatever that case is, the premium is usually an amount that's due every single month, and that's going to vary based on how many people you have in your family, how high your deductible is, and how wide of a net your plan is going to go in terms of like networks and you know how many doctors you can see and can you see the best of the best or are you limited to the you know few that are in your area. So as I said, the, typically the higher the deductible, the lower the premium is. Now, stop for just a second. Here's where it just kind of becomes health insurance for the rest of us. If you are typically healthy, if you eat well and you exercise often and you don't go to the doctor very often, but you choose a plan that has a low deductible because you're afraid of the number $10,000, chances are you're paying this premium every single month, even though you're not sick. A premium is something you pay all the time, whether you're sick or not. A deductible is something you only pay if you actually use the insurance. Let me repeat that. A premium is something that you pay whether or not you use the insurance. The deductible, you're only going to pay if you actually use it. So some of these high deductible plans, like the ones that are $10,000, are really put in place for somebody who thinks they're relatively healthy, but want to be able to cover themselves in the case of some tragic event. Like maybe they get cancer, or maybe they get kidney stones, or maybe they have um, some terrible car accident. Whatever the case is, you know, they want to have some sort of medical coverage. I kind of call it like catastrophe coverage. If you have a catastrophe happen, you're covered, but you're going to end up paying $10,000 for that catastrophe. But you know what? That catastrophe would have cost you probably hundreds of thousands of dollars and you only had to pay $10,000. We actually have this kind of plan and I will be entirely honest with you and tell you it absolutely sucks when we meet the deductible. Who wants to pay $10,000 a year towards anything that has to do with medical? Not I, (laughs) but I will tell you this. Mathematically, we have been better off because the amount that we have saved in premiums every single month have added up to way more than $10,000 and we've only met the deductible a couple years. So the amount of savings that we've had actually has outweighed 
the cost that we have put into it once we actually had to use those deductibles. And one of them was, like I said earlier, for the birth of my um, my beautiful little five-year-old now. And she was worth way more than $10,000, but her NICU bills were in the hundreds of thousands. And so, you know, we actually had a pretty good deal going for us at that point. The next term I want to teach you about is out-of-pocket maximum. That sounds pretty self-explanatory. It basically says that the maximum amount of money that you will come out of pocket in this plan is blank, whatever that number is. Here's where people get tripped up. If there's a plan that has a deductible of $2,500, but there's an out-of-pocket max for $12,000, what that basically means is that if you do have one of these catastrophes that we just talked about, you are still going to be on the hook for $12,000. It's just going to take you a little longer to get there because once you've met your $2,500 deductible, then the plan will kick in like 70% and you pay 30% or sometimes the plan pays 80% and you pay 20%. And basically you're paying that 20 or 30% up until you reach $12,000 out of pocket. So if you have kiddos who might go and get broken arms and they might, you know, just need something here and there throughout the year, one of those lower deductible ones with a higher out-of-pocket max might be better for you if you're nickel and diming your way to that $12,000. But if you, again, are that healthy person who won't likely use the plan very often, then that deductible actually isn't any better for you because if you do have that catastrophe, you're going to be out $12,000 instead of $10,000. Because the $10,000 plan that we have, for example, once we reach that $10,000, then the plan covers everything else 100%. And so that's what you need to start looking at is some of those different things. And I know it's confusing and it's even probably worse when you're trying to listen to it and you can't actually see any numbers. So for that, I apologize, but I'd be happy to share some of this stuff with you individually. If you have specific questions, go to the free Facebook group, little station identification uh, pause here. Um, We do have a free Facebook group and it's called Make My Money Behave. You can join there. You just have to answer three questions. We'll let you into the group and you can ask any questions about this stuff and follow up and I'll answer them directly for you right inside that group so that you don't have to be uh, intrigued by this episode and then left hanging later on. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is copay. Copay is basically like when you go to a visit, if you have a copay, then you're actually having to pay that amount of money right up front in order to have that visit. So there are some plans that say, you know, every time you go to the doctor, there's a copay of $15 or $25. That means that you're going to go to the doctor and you have to pay the $25. Um, if you go to a specialist, they might say, well, now your, your deductible kicks in and you need to pay 100%. So if that specialist costs $200, you need to pay the full $200, not a $15 copay. Um, But just kind of keep that in mind. Not all plans have copays built into them, but that's what that term means. Now, I want to also talk about HSA versus FSA because that trips a lot of people up as well. And I think there are a lot of people who end up losing money, not realizing what the difference is. HSA stands for Health Savings Account. This is basically a a savings account that you can put money into either through your employer 
pre-taxed or you can put money in there that's already been taxed but then you can write that off on your taxes at the end of the year when you use it for medical expenses. The beautiful thing about a health savings account, and I'm emphasizing the word savings on purpose, you'll see why in a minute. The beautiful thing about these health savings accounts is that if you put money in there and you don't use it in the same year that you put it in there, it carries over to the following year. Because it's tax deductible, there is a maximum of how much you can put into that account each year. And I don't know the numbers on that for this year, but I know when we had one, we I think we were eligible to put like $6,000 in there. So out of a $10,000 deductible, we could have put $6,000 in there and paid that off and had at least $6,000 of that tax-free. Um, so that's just kind of a heads up for you on that. The FSA stands for Flex Spending Account. And there are some employers that actually call their FSAs HSA, and they call it a health spending account. Now you'll see why I did the emphasis on savings. Because if you have a health spending account, or more commonly known as the flex spending account, that's basically where you have a little bit of money taken out of every single paycheck, and it goes into this flex spending account you are able to use all of that money. Some some employers actually add money in there for you, which is nice because then you get some free money to use. Um, but you basically have that money in there to use any time during the predetermined amount of time. I admittedly don't know if it's the tax year or the calendar year, but I do know that if you don't use it by a certain amount of time, you actually lose it. So if you've determined that you usually spend about $3,000 a year on medical expenses and then you have them take that out of your check every month, you're going to end up with $3,000 in this account. But if you have a really great healthy year and you don't need $3,000, guess what happens? Let's say you only use $1,000 of that because your whole family was really healthy throughout the whole year. You will lose that $2,000. It just goes away. And so that's why if you do end up using a flex spending account or an FSA, I want you to almost like go low so you don't lose it. The health savings account almost seems like a no-brainer. The problem is it's not available to everybody. You can only use a health savings account when it's attached to a qualifying high deductible plan. And not all high deductible plans qualify. So my plan, which is a $10,000 deductible, like I said before, it doesn't qualify for a health savings account. And I really wish it did. There was that option, there, you know, there was an option to have a high deductible plan that attached to a health savings account, but the premiums were so much higher that it didn't make sense. We, the, the tax savings wasn't going to you know, outweigh the cost of the premium for us. So having said all of that and probably confusing you more than helping you, which I greatly apologize for, if you don't understand a term, ask the questions. There are advocates there who can help you. I can help you. Someone can help you. They can help navigate what does all of this mean. And then once you figure out what it all means, then I want you to really assess how much risk can you bear? Is it easier for you to pay less money every month so you can have more money to work with in your budget and save some money in case of that catastrophe? 
or maybe you are on the opposite end of the spectrum and maybe you have some sort of chronic illness or autoimmune disease or something that you know you're going to be in and out of a doctor office often, you might need something that's more expensive monthly so that you don't have to bear the cost of these huge deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums. The number one thing that I want to drive home today is Don't let fear be the thing that makes you decide what you're going to do. Don't give these insurance companies more money than you need to just because you're afraid of the big number of that deductible or out-of-pocket max number. It may mathematically actually work in your favor to bear some of that risk and not give them as much money every month. And and that just, like I said, may end up balancing itself out for you. And each individual's situation is different. So again, this is not me telling you what to do. Instead, I'm just encouraging you to ask the right questions. And like I said earlier, take a deep breath and take a step back and look at the bigger picture. I'll close with one quick story of something that happened to me just yesterday, actually, and it really gave me a dose of my own medicine. Uh, Pun not intended, but a pretty good one if I had intended that. (laughs) Uh, But what happened was we had a plan that had a particular clinic, like a walk-in clinic that was in network. And they took that out of network and we didn't know that. And I did make the mistake of assuming that it was still in network. And so we had three separate people from my family go to this clinic and they told us that we had a $15 copay, which by the way, was entirely in line with what we thought. And so we paid those copays and then I got the EOB. That's a term I didn't mention before, but EOB just stands for explanation of benefits. And that is the piece of paper that the insurance company sends to us and says, these are the visits that you had, and this is what we will cover, and it's what we will not cover. And it basically explains the benefits, and that's where EOB comes from. But I received the EOB yesterday, and it was at that moment that I was informed that that clinic is no longer in network. So we don't have a $15 copay. We actually have 100% payment to them until we reach a $10,000 deductible. So we owe about $200 per person. So that happened to us three times. And so that was a $600 whoopsies that is on me because I didn't do my due diligence to find out ahead of time that that was in the network. Um, But I just want to share that with you to let you know the other piece of all this is no matter what you choose as your plan, make sure that you know who's in your network and who's out of your network because that's another way that they can get you. And um, yeah, that, that $600 was a giant owie for us yesterday. But I share it with you to know that I'm not perfect. We all make mistakes. And if we learn from them, then they aren't wasted. So I'm going to share that mistake with you and hopefully save you from making a similar one. You guys, this has been probably a little bit more confusing than I hoped it would be, but I hope that it was helpful for you. And again, if you have questions or you need clarifications, you can always jump into that free Facebook group. Again, it's called Make My Money Behave, and you'll see a bright yellow, you'll see the same cover that you see for the podcast. I kept it the same so you could know you were in the right place. And just answer those three questions, we'll get you in there, and then you can ask away. You are able to post in there as often as you want to and ask as many questions and I will be glad to answer them for you. 
I'm very much looking forward to seeing the number of reviews and the number of star ratings start to increase. And I'm curious to see if we can reach that challenge of doubling that by the end of this month. I wouldn't do this if you weren't listening. So as always, thank you for listening and have a great day, guys. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh